The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. kill the rest of this bottle before we fly back to the west coast so uh i apologize for what i sound like at the end of the show but uh happy end of the season everybody we made it through week uh what is it week 22 now i had something like that i lost track a couple of weeks ago it's now just super bowl week that's it yeah uh the whole season's been a little bit of a fever dream but it's it's been a good season overall uh it's been both unexpected and expected at the same time uh you know the teams that are there are the ones we expected, but they got there in <laughs> unexpected ways. Uh, I will say to the rest of the AFC, you dropped the ball. If there was ever a time uh, to take down the evil empire, it was this year, and you all failed at it. So here we are, uh, KC in the Super Bowl again against 49ers in the Super Bowl again. Both teams were at their most vulnerable, and uh, and they still made it all the way. So as far as I'm concerned... I'm just going to pick this matchup every year for the rest of my life until proven otherwise because I have no incentive to do anything else. Yeah, until there's major changes on either side. And major changes would be on Kansas City side, no Patrick Mahomes. And major changes on the San Francisco side would be really no Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. And until that changes, this is a matchup we have the likelihood, I would say the high likelihood of seeing every year. And, you know, it's funny because we said the same thing about Kansas City. Oh, they're at the low point. Patrick Mahomes is limping. You can take him out. They didn't take him out then. Uh, His offense was limping this year. Again, the AFC failed to take him out. His Hall of Fame tight end, soon to be Hall of Fame tight end, was limping in the middle of the season. They didn't take him out. He just seems to be the guy that can dodge bullets. And... Yeah, until further notice, which is why I picked them to beat Baltimore. I wanted Baltimore to win, but as long as Patrick Mahomes is in that game, they just don't seem to lose those games. So we're going to keep this format, the one we used from Conference Championship Sunday. We're going to talk about the games that each team wants to play, both on offense and defense. Everybody seemed to really enjoy that. And we'll start off with the Chiefs offense versus the 49ers defense. If you're the Chiefs offense, the game they want to play, they got to get in some rhythm. It doesn't, again, we said this last week, we're just going to carry it over. This is a, you know, add the ones, carry the two. This is just, they don't need efficiency necessarily, but they need Pacheco to establish some sort of footing early on. Now, we'll talk about the Niners wanting to stop that, but if you're KC, we're focusing on the offense right now. They need that. It's a basis for the offense. It's a basis for the resurgence they've had in the second half of the season. It really did carry them through the middle of the season, too, when the receiving core just kind of went, see ya. Yeah. But... Now they have some of that back as well. If you're the if you're the Chiefs, you want to spook the Niners. You want to basically influence them to play a certain style of defense. And you can't do that if Pacheco doesn't get some yards on the ground. If the defense that San Francisco gives you certain looks, you want to get Travis Kelsey going early. It's not a thing they want to hide. It's a thing like Pacheco that they want to establish early on. And when you say certain looks... You know, really, it comes down to the style of coverage that you're playing. Because obviously, if you're if you just playing, like, spot drop zone, like, yeah, he's just going to read it and break the space. Like, nobody plays spot drop zone against Kansas City for that reason. Um, Not in lives. Yeah. <laughs> but even match zone. Match zone, like, you're still carrying the route from either inside or outside leverage, typically. Like, 
So he's still going to break against your leverage and trust Pat to read it. And then, of course, man coverage, you know, that's when they get you with the the rubs and the shallow crosses and everything like that. So, like, it, it's not necessarily about the coverage they're calling against Kelsey. It's about the style of coverage. And really, the big thing is, based on where Kelsey lines up, I think we're going to see different, uh, different ways to attack him. So, if he's, say, the isolated receiver, you know, backside of a three-by-one, like they're gonna play quarters because the Niners play a lot of quarters. Like they, they play quarters to everything, but like that's where you're gonna see what's called a cone call, where like that that backside safety is not gonna be looking to the front side. He's gonna be looking at Travis. They're gonna play like an east-west bracket on him. So you can't go you can't go outside, you can't go inside. Like all you could do is run a hitch, right? Like pretty much all you could do. You know, if he's the number three, now I think, you know, again, the Niners are also a pretty heavy cover three defense, but it's about the style of cover three. That's where you're going to see like a, a Saban type of cover three. They call it three buzz Mabel, where if number three goes vertical, you used to not play that against the Chiefs because they would put Tyreek as like the number three or like the inside of the slot receivers. And if you're playing three buzz Mabel against that, you get a linebacker matched up on Tyreek. Nobody, nobody would ever do that. But if Travis is the number three, guess who's covering him? Fred. Fred. And so, okay, you can get away with that. If, they're, if we're going to do a one-on-one, like, yeah, we're going to do Fred against Travis and trust it. If Travis is the number two, now I think that's where you can maybe get into calling some cover one stuff, but specifically like one double eighty-seven, where it's still a bracket on Kelsey. And then, of course, if he's outside, it, it, it depends on on who's – it's like Legere – or not Legere's, um You know, if they're following – their teammates clearly <laughs> but if if they're following him with a corner or if they're following him with fred it, it it's going to depend on who's on who's following him for what they're going to call if he's the number one outside uh to the trip side of the formation and even then they don't put him out there that much anyway because you want more of a vertical threat there he's yep. he's he's still travis but he's not the vertical threat so you're not really going to see him there anyway it's either going to be at the number two or number three spot um but i think they're going to call different coverages based on where he's lined up because either a they're getting fred one-on-one and if it's not fred he's getting a bracket it just depends on on where he's lined up and and that's a that's a common philosophy around the nfl is double teams will happen but they happen based on alignment and i'd be willing to bet that that the chiefs are going to move travis around early to feel that out Sure. And see when is he getting doubled, when is he not, and if the only time we're getting him one on one is Fred, I I bet they they hammer that like four or five times just to see who's winning, because that one individual matchup yep. is going to determine everything. Yeah, it's a focal point, and Kansas City's going to try and establish it just like they did in the old days as. Our offense is going to run through Travis. And if we have success against whatever you're throwing at it, we're in a pretty good spot. If we're not, we'll try some change-ups. But the only way to figure that out is to try and establish Travis early and see, like you said, whether or not those matchups are in their favor or not. Other things Kansas City's offense is going to try and do, hit one-on-one targets when they're presented. Mahomes has been excellent at that for the last two weeks. I think he was 30-39 at against Baltimore in general. Outrageous. Just damn near perfect. This week, I really want to see the Chiefs offense, Andy, try and focus those targets against Jair Brown, the safety. He's a rookie free safety. You know, test him multiple ways, just like you're going to test the coverage with Travis. Test him deep, see who covers, test him on cross, see whether or not they're handing those off and when they're handing those off, and just put those in your pocket. You're going to need them for later mm-hmm. and use those in the second half based on those first half reactions, but run enough concepts against Jair Brown that you know specifically how he's reacting based on look, because that's a matchup that Mahomes can exploit later in the game. And I think they kind of just, again, run the script, see how that plays out, take notes, and then sit on it for a quarter because they're not necessarily going to need to exploit that. They're going to be trying to establish Pacheco, they're going to be trying to establish Travis, and they're just going to run some of those routes with Rasheed and see how they can pull coverage from the free safety, specifically Jair. Well, that also kind of ties into to the Pacheco usage. I think they go hand in hand because if they're hammering Pacheco early, which is something they didn't do in like the first half of the yeah. year, right? No. 
And I, hell, I made a whole film room episode about it of like, just run the fucking ball. Like, <laughs> do you, it. <laughs> your offense is better when you run the ball. And I made that right before the playoffs started. And then you get to um, get to January and their first down run pass splits were wildly different. Like wild card round, it was 21 to 12, which I kind of 30 below. Yeah. Uh, but in the divisional round, it was 15 to 13. So again, more run heavy. In the championship round, it was 17 to 14. More run heavy. Yeah. They were the opposite of the Ravens. Like the Ravens got away from being like, hey, we're going to hammer it with the running backs. Right. And they lost. The Chiefs were like, we're going to stick to it. Completely changed the offensive identity. And so if they do that again in the Super Bowl and they force San Francisco to, to stay away from quarters and kind of roll that guy down, play more cover three, that's when you're going to see what they're doing with Jair Brown. Right. And that's going to, again, it's, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we get like less than 10 points total in the first quarter because I think both of them are just going to be feeling it out. Yeah. The only way I would see more than that is a bust. Yeah. Like, like a, 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 a straight up bust. fuck up. Yeah. yeah just yeah. somebody trips and, you know, 60 yard touchdown is possible at that point. But no, this is going to be an early, I would say, shoving match. Mm-hmm. People say I use too many boxing analogies. We'll go sumo. <laughs> we'll go overseas. We'll go Japan. We'll go sumo. Right? There's going to be that. I don't want to get thrown out of the ring early. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see where you're gonna shoot your hands. I'm gonna move my hips. I'm gonna keep my feet under me. And I think both teams are gonna do that. So I don't see a ton of points either early. What I also hope for both teams is we don't see a ton of turnovers early. And specifically for Kansas City. Don't take those high risk shots. Don't take those high leverage shots early because you got to win the turnover battle. You don't want to hand the ball back to Kyle, just like Kyle doesn't want to hand the ball back to Andy and, and Pat. So this season when the Chiefs won or tied in the turnover battle, they were nine and one in the last five seasons when they've won or sorry, in the last five seasons when they've had zero giveaways, they're 25 and one. So when they protect the ball, they're incredibly tough to beat. Last week, both of these teams, the 49ers and the Chiefs, the common thread between them was they both waited for the other team to make the mistake Mm -hmm. and just took advantage, took advantage, took advantage. And the teams that ended up in the Super Bowl are the teams that waited for their opponent to make a mistake and just played steady football. Chiefs didn't score that many points, only 17 points, right? But they beat the Ravens by allowing them to make more mistakes and then not making them on their own. They're going to have to continue that. Both teams are. But since we're just talking about Kansas City's offense, if you're going to take those riskier, high-leverage shots, again, wait until after halftime. Don't give extra possessions in the first half to Kyle and the offense because they're going to be really dangerous if you do. And, you know, there was a, a point that that was made by a lot of people, myself included, uh, as as the NFC Championship winded down of, like, the two more experienced, battle-hardened playoff teams won the Super Bowl because they didn't panic, yep. right? You saw two spectacular young rookies in each game, Zay Flowers and Jameer Gibbs, make key mistakes, whether it was a taunting penalty, whether it was fumbling at the goal line. You know, there was the Gibbs fumble that that set up another Niner score that kind of like really kick-started that slide. And like, yeah, I, I, had, I had my one issue with like the second or rather the last Dan Campbell going forward to fourth down. I didn't argue with the first one. The last one, I was like, okay, there. Uh, I it, it, and, and it wasn't even about, like, kicking percentages or, like, being conservative. It was more so, like, the amount of time that was left on the clock. How many possessions are you still going to get? I was more calculating, like, possessions available than anything. That's why I advocated going for it. But not to get too off on a tangent, you saw young talented teams make mistakes and crumble because they hadn't really been there and done that. Whereas both these teams have been there and done that and done it against each other. And, and I think that was, that was kind of the difference is the Niners were getting whacked early and they were just like, eh, we're fine. And they were (laughs) fine. Right. And, and the chiefs, you know, they, they, they put on some points early and then things got a little bit scrappy and they're like, we think we can take the body blows. We'll just land that one hook late. Again, boxing analogy. There we go. And they did, right? So sure. it's it's the older veteran experienced teams going at it in the Super Bowl. And I think their their experience showed out in the previous rounds. And that's why they're there. I'd 
fully agree with that and I think we'd see a repeat but it's funny because again the victors are the ones that were I don't want to say conservative they just are more experienced and they didn't venture too much early in the first part and now they face each other so they're mm-hmm. going to have to try and get that done against a team on the other side who is their equal in doing that and that's the reason both of these teams are there anything else you want to hit on the KC offense I kind of think it's just going to be more of the same and I mean that in a good way. I would of agree. like, we are running with Isaiah. We are getting four yards on first down. We are making second down manageable because they're one of the best second and manageable teams, I guess you could say, in the NFL. They were fifth in EPA per play uh, when they actually had a successful first down play on on first down. Um, they were they were fifth in EPA on second down. So again, it's just about not going backwards, yeah. not turning the ball over trusting that eventually Pat is going to make a crazy throw to MVS and MVS is going to catch it because it's after (laughs) December and he only catches balls in the playoffs. Uh, You know, it's trusting that he's going to take off and run and and just be that Patrick Mahomes that is is exactly as fast as he needs to be in a key moment. Hell, we saw some of that with Purdy. You know, he's exactly as fast as he needs to be. These two teams are actually like really similar in a lot of ways, which is why it's hard to pick a winner because they they kind of beat teams in similar ways at least in the playoffs they do no i would say that yeah their their results are similar some of the ways they get there look a little bit different certainly both on offense and defense but we both had that feeling watching the games on championship sunday that the team that played one way won the game and that was these two teams yeah they just didn't fuck up. Like, yeah, that's exactly. Honestly, that's honestly what it is. They just didn't fuck up. Yeah, they let the other <laughs> folks make mistakes. As we pivot over to the San Francisco defense, last week, you know, when I was talking about the Lions coming in and playing San Francisco, CMC was my number one. And I said, got to stop CMC. For the San Francisco defense, as they now pivot to playing the Chiefs, it's Kelsey, right? Mm-hmm. It was Pacheco before because he was leading that offense and it was the first thing you were going to see and then you were going to see a little bit of Kelsey later continuing drives. Kelsey last week really pivoted back to, nope, I'm back. I'm playoff Travis. I'm not only going to make big catches, tough catches, move the chains. I'm also going to put up damn near 100 yards score and be that guy again. So Kelsey kind of vaults to the top of my list for the San Francisco defense's sort of hit order. You got to gotta stay with Kelsey. He's back and powering the offense. Luke Keekley, interestingly enough, had a great piece on Kay Adams' show this week about how to do that. Because we all say, and we've said all season, <laughs> like, hey, just cover Travis Kelsey. We no, know just, it's, just cover the best tight end of all time. We okay. know it's hard, and we see yeah. team after team, week after week, fail at that. So Kay was smart enough to ask Luke, how would you do that? Luke being one of the great linebackers of his time, one of the great linebackers we've seen in the last couple of decades. He had really interesting take on this. Keep your eyes on Kelsey always. Don't let your eyes drift to Pat because he said when defenses get in trouble is they're like, okay, I got Travis. Now I'm going to look at Pat and Kelsey takes that three Mm -hmm. steps to the right and then he's open and we always say, how'd they lose him? They lost him by taking their eyes off him. So don't take your eyes off Travis. Match him all the way through the down, not halfway through the down. And then you're left with the problem of when's the ball going to arrive? Yeah. And Keekley had a great point on this as well. He said, guys like Travis, who are really experienced, are not going to throw their hands up. That's not going to be your indicator. You're not going to be able to use that because they're going to use what we call late hands. They're going to wait, 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 then raise their hands up. He said, you have to watch his eyes. And when his eyes start to focus, then play your hands through the catch pocket. And that's going to be your indicator that the ball's on the way. And I thought that was the sort of best, most detailed way to just cover Travis Kelsey that I'd heard. Um, it's still very difficult to do, and Luke said so as much. He said, these are your best chances for success. Doesn't guarantee you're going to win, but if you do this, you're going to allow less of those plays to occur, and San Francisco needs to do that off the jump. I would also, uh, to add on to that, when when Patrick is scrambling, mm. I would rather give up a 12-yard run to Mahomes and just you know tip the cap say, good job to you. Uh, then give up a 20-yard catch to Kelsey because when Pat is scrambling, especially to his right, obviously to his left too because he just does this weird like Gumby kind of throwback, but (laughs) especially to his right, he has the ability to be like at the numbers 
when at when rolling to his right away from pressure and then like hit the far hash. Yeah. Um, but you see this off often, and um, it was kind of established in Mahomes' first year as a starter in 2018, where Kelsey would just stop. Yes. Like you know, you're running with him, you're plastering. Mahomes is running to his right, and Kelsey would just be like. He could probably hit me. And he'll just stop on the other side of the field. And the whole defense is flowing with Pat. And then he would just do this weird, like, Ozzie Smith yeah. shortstop throw all the way back across and, and get a free, you know, free explosive plays. So, uh, you know, to add on to that, like, yes, don't take your eyes off Kelsey. But especially don't take your eyes off Kelsey when Patrick is scrambling. When he breaks the pocket. Because you will get gutted. So that's key. 100%. We talked about man coverages. Uh, feel free to play man because of your personnel, but only after you play those games that we talked about when we were talking about the Kansas City offense. Only after you're sure how you're going to handle Travis, what routes they're going to pull across. Are you okay one-on-one leaving Fred on Travis, or are you getting blasted? Yeah. Like Do that first, then play man. Don't just start off playing man and saying, hey, I think we're okay. Like, run your defensive script, for lack of a better term, and see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> what day are you going to have? And yeah. after you have that indicator, then it's okay to play man. Destroy the run early. That was, again, number one last week for the opposing defense. You know, going against Kansas City, it drops down to three this week uh, because Andy's still going to want that. He's not just going to want the Pat and Travis show. He knows he's got it in his back pocket, but he's going to want to establish that base. They're going to want that run game. So you still have to stop it. You still have to be gap sound. You still have to gang tackle against Pacheco because he's just a beast that won't quit. He's the energizer bunny. So, yes, destroy the run. Still on the menu. It just drops down to third. So Chiefs are bottom five in play action percentage. They're not going to do it a lot. Only 18%. So trigger downhill a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it go. If you get got, okay, fine. Right. But it's 18% play action. Like, it's not going to happen a lot. It's going to be like three throws where it's like, ah, they stuck them behind us. And then you just hope your DBs can rally and tackle. But, you know, if given the option, just shoot the gap. Get a TFL. Yeah, let Greenlaw off the chain a little bit. Have him crash the gap. See if you can't catch Pacheco in a negative play early in the series of downs. We've talked all year about how important that is to get an explosive play for the defense on down one or down two, not waiting till down three and then saying, oh, we're a good third down defense, but actually generating a little cushion for yourself. Oh, we got him for a two-yard loss. Now we're at second and 12. They're behind the sticks. That gives us a lot more chance to snuff this drive out statistically than if we wait to third down and we've got third and four, third and six, and we just have to be really good in a high leverage down and then finish where you get near Mahomes but this one comes with a big asterisk for me because Patrick Mahomes gets more calls than anybody else in the NFL I know there's Chiefs fans that are shutting this off right now but and and we're not saying that the refs favor the Chiefs no we're just saying that that refs are keenly aware of when he gets smashed and they throw correct flags sure but there are other quarterbacks around the league that don't get the correct flags. It's not that Mahomes is getting unfair. No, it's I'm not just saying, that he's he's refereed correctly. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying he has an unfair advantage. What I'm saying, if anything, is he is the best player in the league, and he has earned that right. Yes. So as a defender, when you approach him, you need to be damn sure. Yeah. That you are within the letter of the law, and probably half a tick short of that. And if you're not. Ease up because you can guarantee the laundry's going to hit the ground and he's going to tempt you to do it. He's a smart player. Also, uh, he can take it. He's a fucking tank. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not going to hurt him, but he knows it'll hurt you if you get the flag dropped. Yeah. And, and he'll lobby for it. He'll pop right up and ask for it. And more times than not, he gets it. So you just need to play with that as a reality. It's not a statement on should or shouldn't. It's more of a statement on is. This is going to occur. And I need to play that way if I'm being smart about it. So, yeah, I know defenders want to take a shot on Pat when he's out running. Like, everybody wants to get that guy down, right? But you've got to be smart about it because if you extend drives with a 15-yard personal, you know, roughing the passer flag or unnecessary roughness hit, it's just as bad as if you had a coverage break, the guy got behind you and, and went for 15. So be smart. Try and finish the play. Yeah, if you get him in the pocket – 
make sure you, I would say, hug him, right? Yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to like absolutely destroy him. Focus just on getting him on the ground. Absolutely. If you're (laughs) Bosa and you get in and you get him, just forklift him right up off the ground. Just (laughs) hug him right there and hold him because they're probably not going to call that. And they are going to blow a whistle. Just approach it with caution. Um, It's sort of more of a finishing point more than anything else. I would say these are in the sort of most important order. Um, It's a nice to have. It's not a necessary to have. Put it that way. You mentioned um, destroying the run early. Like, okay, they're low on play action, so it's relatively low risk, high reward for shooting gaps, getting TFLs. To me, Andy and Kyle are similar sometimes in the sense that when the script isn't going well, like, yes, we love that they make adjustments, but sometimes they kind of overcorrect a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 been a thing that's plagued them throughout their career. I mean, the reason why I made the video literally called Run the Ball Andy is because when Pacheco gets tackled for loss early, sometimes they get off of that too early, in my opinion. And I feel like if San Francisco is just selling out and shooting those gaps and getting some TFLs and it's second and 12, second and 13 for the first couple drives, I worry that Andy's going to get a little trigger happy and be like, all right, we're going to substitute those runs with with Rasheed Rice screens. Yeah. Which, yes, that can work too. But if if we look up at halftime and Pacheco has six carries, that's a win for San Francisco. Agreed. So I caution the Chiefs against getting spooked. We talk about, hey, they're trying to spook the Niners into playing cover three. I caution them against getting spooked into not running at all. And same thing for Shanahan. Like there was a, there was a moment in in that Lions game where we're like, they stop running with Christian. Oh my God, it's two weeks in a row. They stop running with Christian. What are we doing here? And then like you saw the light come on towards the end of the second quarter and Kyle's like, I'm going to let him do it. I'm going to let him go. And and they got just ripping off explosive plays and CMC took over and, and he was pissed too because they were kind of giving him a little extra. Yep. I want both of these offensive coaches to not outsmart themselves and let their running backs just do their job. That's a really nice segue. Okay. <laughs> as, as we go to the San Francisco offense, biggest point for Kyle is lead off with a full diet of CMC. He's your fire starter. More he, than a full diet. <laughs> he has been the guy. Any way you can get him touches, yes, you want to get him in the game. You want to get some hard runs up the middle. You also want to throw him screens because he's dynamic in that way to full diet. And don't get off it until you are slapped with, I would say, more than a couple negative plays. Mm-hmm. Right. If you get three negative plays, okay, you've got to start shifting that offensive balance. You've got lots of other weapons, but don't do it before that. Like, go full throttle with Christian until that happens. And use Kittle, I'm going to say, as your Kelsey mirror image. A lot of times, Shanahan does not use him that way. Mm-hmm. And do the same thing with Kittle that they do with Kelsey. Get him out in some patterns, throw him a bunch of balls early. I know it's against type for Shanahan. That makes it even better, right? It's going to be something that Spagnola has probably prepared for less. Not none, because he's a great defensive coach, but less. And that might give you an advantage. See how they're going to play Kittle, if they can keep up with him, if they're going to have to double him. It's going to help get Brock comfy. Every quarterback loves a very reliable tight end target. Kittle is that and more. And then look for shots later on. Again, just like we said with the Chiefs, put those in your pocket. See how those reactions work. And if you need a 20-yard chunk in the third quarter, maybe you go back to it. I'm going to say for the offense, and this is weird because we're keying on a specific defensive player here, call runs that put Chris Jones in the crosshairs. Like, beat up. Chris Jones. That's traps, pins, just getting ear hold. Wear that guy out against the run. He is a very good player against the run, but punish him for doing so. Anything you can get to do to do a duo block, anything you can do from bring Kittle in from the side and try and declete him. Get him tired of it. And that helps you stay on that diet of CMC. And it also helps wear out one of the most impactful players on the field in Chris Jones for the Chiefs. It also just slows him down as a pass rusher because again it's a physical sport like if you're getting the shit beat out of you on first and second down even if it just lowers him by like eight (laughs) percent on third down that helps especially you know with with mctivitz there at right tackle who chris jones 
one-on-one would absolutely annihilate any amount of help that he can get through just beating up Chris Jones <laughs> early in the game. Like, you're going to need that because what I worry about is that is that late in the game when they put Jones out at end, which they are prone, prone to do, to do <laughs> it's like, hey, find me their weakest pass protector. That's their right tackle. Put Jones out there because he can play anything. And I worry that that's going to translate to a big play. Again, worry on behalf of San Francisco. Sure. Um, so really just beating the tar out of him early in this game is key. Just get him sore. Get him tired. Make him hate his own life in the first half because it's going to be the only way you can survive him in the second half. Again, he's one of the greatest three techniques I've ever seen in my entire life. There's not really a good answer against him. So you might as well do everything you can to just weaken him if if even possible beat him up and keep him bored yes uh, the best <laughs> the best you can do because again players like that when they make an explosive defensive play get fired up it turns them on they want another one they start to hunt pin their ears back having that happen early would not be great for san francisco it'd be excellent for kansas city we'll talk about that in a bit i'm gonna say decoy debo he was more back last week than certainly I thought. There was a question whether or not he was even going to play in that game. Toradol's a hell of a drug. Isn't man. it wonderful? <laughs> and he actually had an impact statistically. I think for San Francisco, you can use that as bait, right? You have enough mm. guys on this offense to kind of use him as the indicator, as the lure to see where they're gonna, how much they're going to follow him, how much weight they're going to invest defensively with Debo, and that can help set your offense up for the rest of the game. If they don't, if they just go one-on-one, I have every confidence in Debo being superhuman again. He's now two weeks removed from that shoulder injury, and he can go make impact. So that's one result is they don't think he's a real threat. Let's give him the ball and show him otherwise. Or, oh, they're, it's one, one-and-a-half coverage. They, they still think he's a big deal, and then you can pivot to all your other threats. For me, that's use check. I love the fact that they went to him early in the game against the Lions. I would like to see them continue. I think he's one of the most underutilized threats in the NFL because, yes, he's a fullback, but no, he's not a fullback. He's a fullback making toe-tap catches on the sideline. Indeed. Like, he's the only one I've ever seen do that. Yeah. He's fantastic. So, And then if you have that balance, you've, you know, you've taken a couple of plays to Debo, You've used use check. You're throwing the ball to Kittle a little bit more. You haven't even touched Ayuk, right? You're going to have the Chiefs defense teetering a little bit. They're not going to be on their front foot. They're going to be flat-footed at best because everything's going to be going off, and they're not going to be able to key and say, this is the way we need to go. And if they guess, it's very possible at that point they're going to guess wrong. So later in the game, that means – all your options are open. But I think that might be Debo's greatest use early on. I don't think I've ever told you this. Do you know what our bacon number is for Kyle Juszczyk? Our like, like Kevin oh, bacon? Oh, degrees of separation. Um, I, I know this. I don't know if you know this. I, I don't. I, one. It's one. I definitely didn't know that. So our manager went to school with him. Still has him in the Rolodex. Oh, I did know this and I yeah. forgot it. So he I mentioned that, and we were like, "You're just now mentioning this." I, I this hasn't been pitched to him yet, but <laughs> I, I wanted to heads again, up. <laughs> I live in California. I wanted to make my way up to the Bay and just geek out about like two back run concepts with him. And 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 I, I didn't find out until late in the season. I was like, "You went to school with him for four years and That's started right. with him." And by the way, he's great dude I, he was telling yeah. me stories about like just him and again as a young adult he's like 20 21 years old he's always been like a phenomenal person he's and he's all he was already one of my favorite players in the league but he was just telling me about just like how good of a dude he was in school and i'm like god i love i love listening to like success stories about people that like you know they're all obviously super talented but they've right. always just been good people and then they go to the league and they have success and he's just been that guy for a decade like, yeah that's part of the reason why like i'm Spoiler alert. I'm picking the Chiefs, but I'm rooting for the Niners because I, I want Kyle Juszczyk to get a ring. I want Trent to get a ring because they're just good dudes. Yeah. And they've been trying forever. Yeah, I remember he dropped that saw he dropped that on us when we went to have lunch with him. Yeah. And he just kind of casually mentioned over burritos, like, oh yeah, I 
I know Kyle Uzcheck, and I was like, oh, did you, you know, were you a reporter at the school paper? <laughs> he was like, no, I lived with him. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? You know, no, Kyle Uzcheck? Yeah, that would be great. Super fun for later. But I, I think if you balance sort of tipping back and forth between Debo and Uzcheck, you can keep the Chiefs defense off balance a little bit. And you're going to need to because Spags is going to be trying to do the same thing. We'll talk about that in a second. And then I want to use motion at the snap to get IU going because the Chiefs corners are great. Like the Chiefs secondary has been amazing all year. So I know they don't do it statistically a ton, but if there was ever a time to go against type, do it now and get Ayuk some free releases against Snead because otherwise you're just standing him up. Like Ayuk is the toughest dude on the field and Snead's the toughest dude on the field. So you're just letting two guys like... I, I just don't want Legereus to press. Like I want to do everything I can to right. not because he will beat the tar out of Right, people. they're just going to beat the heck out of each other. Yeah. And we don't want to see that if we're San Francisco. We want to get some free releases. Ayuk has great speed. Let him run a little bit. Get him a couple of those Tyreek releases in motion at the snap, not motion before the snap where Legereus had a chance to get set. Just anything you can do against type uh, using motion, using players that aren't typically the focal point to get that Kansas City defense off off its foundation just a little bit because it's so so solid and it's been really the rock that this team was built on while the offense kind of staggered through the middle of the season so if you're Kyle you're gonna need every advantage to try and you know pry it open I'll be willing to bet just because IU and we've we've talked to IU he was at the senior bowl where we met correct in 2020 and he was injured, so he wasn't practicing, but we got to talk to him and everything like that. He was training with Tory Holt at the time before he even came out. And first of all, great dude. Love that kid. Yeah. I hope he gets a gazillion dollars because he deserves it. But he's also, like, on the spectrum of, like, got that dog in him, he's all the way. Yeah, he's got that dog in him. Pinned. Pinned. And Legarius is the same way. Right. We're advocating for like using him with motion at the snap to get him free releases, but in the first quarter, I kind of want to see him just, <laughs> just lock horns. This, this is the kaiju movie. Let them fight because they're they're two insanely talented, insane people, competitive people. Yes. <laughs> I just want to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just here for the chaos, um, and we will see some of that. We absolutely know just looking at percentages that at some point Kyle's going to go. Hey, man. And Spags is going to go, hey, man. Go win. They're both going to say the same thing. And they are literally just going to let them line up on the same side and fight. Um, It'll be interesting to see who wins those battles. But if I'm San Francisco, which is, you know, what we're focusing on here, like, I want to see some motion. I do kind of think that that matchup, though, is similar to how, like, the Fred versus Kelsey matchup is going to dictate coverage structure. The Ayuk versus Legereus matchup is going to dictate coverage structure because Legereus, and I know Chiefs fans know this because hell, even we have been singing his praises the entire year. He's third in the league in press coverage snaps. Yeah. Like that's what they do with him, right? He's, he's been he's, a straight up warrior this year. They put him on an island in press man coverage and they say, go do it. Yeah. And he does it, right? If you're looking at, you know, forced incompletions to first down, he's not given up a single touchdown in single coverage this year, which is absurd. He's only given up 12 first downs in single coverage this year. 12. In, what, 20 20 games? Yeah. Right? We're we're getting up to where it's, you know, tipping over into the multiple 20s at this point. And you're talking about basically less than one first down every two games. And he has as many forced incompletions as first downs given up. Like, he is an elite press man corner this year. Yes. And he's a free agent, so he's going to get, again, a gazillion dollars. As he deserves. And they're both like they're both playing for contracts in this game, right? Because legacies get made in the Super Bowl, and and the Chiefs aren't are not even close to this game without Legarius Sneed. Like they know hell, he made the play on Zay, You're right? Correct. Like this matchup is it because if Ayuk is winning it, that then dictates the covered structures that KC can play, and if Legarius is winning it, like he's won it all year against a bunch of really good receivers. That means that they could just keep doing the stuff that they've always been doing, which is, Legereus, you're on an island. Right. We're playing four over three on everybody else, and we're, especially against CMC, we're playing a two-on-one on CMC. Everybody else gets a four over three. 
So that matchup is everything, just like the Fred versus Kelsey matchup is everything. Like again, it's all pro caliber player versus all pro caliber player. It's the Super Bowl. That's what the that's what these games come down to. But that is that's it, right? Um, I do want to touch on CMC a little bit because we talked about how like, hey, you got to run counter, you got to run power, you got to run trap, you got to do anything to just hit Chris Jones in the ribs. I think they do that early. Yep. And then as the game goes on, I think that's when they settle into the outside zone stuff because KC, they major in quarters. They major in quarter, quarter, half, cover two, two high structures. They, they're they like last in the league in cover three. They don't really play right cover three ever, right? And from those coverage structures, which for not to get too deep in the weeds, the coverage sets the front. That's one of my fr- favorite phrases of Coach Vass of like, we call it coverage first. And that's going to determine what front we're in, right? Right. The Chiefs play predominantly two high coverage structures. That's going to determine the fronts you're in. And because of that style of defense, I don't want to say like they're the worst against outside zone. They're not the worst against outside zone. But it it can be effective against them. About 4.9 yards per carry. A decent explosive rate, about 13% explosive rate. And again, not terrible, not great. It's, it's manageable. But the success rate. If we're looking at just like success rate of plays, do they get the minimum number of yards on any given down and distance to be considered a successful play? It's the highest success rate concept against them in these in these two high safety structures. Again, I know this is a very niche stat, but that's what you guys are here for. It's about 40% success rate. So as the game goes on, all right, we beat the shit out of Chris Jones in the first half. You know, counter, power, all that stuff. Ah, hit him in the ribs. Then you settle into outside zone. And we just churn and churn and churn. Give me four yards. Give me five yards over and over and over again. And the reason why I think they do that, even if they hit less explosives, I would argue you want to hit less less explosives. (laughs) I know it's coming. You want these drives to last as long as possible. That's right. You want Kansas City to get nine possessions in this game. Or less. You want every drive to be nine minutes long, eight minutes long. I want Kansas City to get three second-half possessions because that limits the opportunity for the boogeyman to kill me. And just like we talk about, hey, you can't turn the ball over against Pat, I just don't want to give Pat the ball, period. So run outside zone, get four yards of carry, make every drive 13 plays. You've already done your work against Chris Jones. He's tired. He's bruised. He's beat up. He wants to go home. Well, no, he's not going to want to go. He's he to wants to kill you even more. <laughs> he yeah. wants to kill you even more. But like we've done our damage to him in the first half. Now let's just swallow the ball. Pause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't think that went through before I said it. It's okay. <laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to blame it on the whiskey. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, boy. Watch that one down. Yikes. All I'm trying to say is. Yeah. Limit possessions, and you do sure. that with outside zone. I will leave it. I'm going to stop talking. Now. That's right. We're going to pivot to the KC defense, and this is just at this point sort of reiteration. We've been talking about both sides of the ball for both teams, specifically for Spagnuolo's defense. You have to limit CMC. You just have to throttle him and keep doing it because he's not going to give up. He is just like Pacheco in a different way, but in terms of you know, a competitive guy on either side of the ball. We were talking about Ayuk and Steen. Like, those guys are all over these rosters, and both of the running backs are that way. CMC was getting popped Yeah, in the Detroit game. He was popping right up, chirping. Like, he's not going to give up, but you can't give him effectiveness. You've got to make it so that they at least have to try and pivot to outside zone, and you know that if they do that, then they're going to have to worry about the rest of the weapons but then they can. They have to do it first. That's the order. Shut down CMC and then pivot to all the other weapons. And there's a lot. Kittle's probably the next most important piece to dismantle, especially in the red zone. He is an absolute menace there. Uh, the Purdy to Kittle connection in the red zone is really, really productive. Look it up. <laughs> 40% of his career touchdowns are just with Brock Purdy in a year and a half. So, it's, yeah. It's ridiculous. So... Most teams, I don't have faith in their corners, but we've talked up Legereus Sneed, I think, enough 
effectively that we do have faith in Legereus' needs. So we'll see how that works out. The best case scenario that we mentioned earlier for the Chiefs is that Sneed handles Ayuk just fine, and then KC can go about its business just mm-hmm. the way it has for the rest of the year. They won't have to pivot or adjust to that. They'll just say, look, Legereus has done it all year. Yeah, he's got a really good receiver against him, just like he has for this week and this week and this week and this week, and he's doing the same thing. That means we can do the same thing. That would be the best case for Spags. So... It'll be interesting. You got to run games to get Chris Jones free. Again, now we're talking about the Casey perspective. The San Francisco perspective is beat the hell out of Chris Jones. The Casey perspective is get Chris Jones on McKivitz. I don't care how. Yeah. Stunts. I don't care if you run playground basketball ISO. <laughs> I don't care if Chris just Jones walks up and says, "That's my Chris bitch. Jones." Just get to stay over to one side and go. Everybody, no, clear out. This yeah. is a clear out. It's me and him, like, step back. <laughs> Whatever you need to do to get Chris Jones on McKivitz one-on-one because I'm taking Chris Jones nine out of ten times. Okay. Now, of course, San Francisco is going to do everything they can. They're going to chip with backs. They're going to bring Kittle. Um, you know, they're going to bring Charlie Warner. Like, whatever they can do because they don't want to see that. If you're KC, you try and force that to happen. And, yes, it's probably not best to announce that in the – Playground ISO style. It's much better to line up Chris Jones at his three tech, run a TE stunt, get an outside blitzing corner so that that's going to take care of the back. And now you've got your one on one matchup, Chris Jones versus the tackle. And especially, like you said, you mentioned TE stunts. So if he's at like a three or like a loose three, a borderline four I, yeah. right? And then we got an edge next to him and, and we're calling for a, for a TE stunt. That means that he's attacking McTivitz's inside shoulder. And I have zero confidence <laughs> that McDivitt's going to handle that well. Like, it, absolutely zero. Not five times out of five, right? No, so God, you're no. just going to have to keep getting He might get it once. He, look, he's a pro player. He gets paid to. The chances that he handles that effectively one-on-one more than two or three times is pretty low. And not only that, but if, if you look at how Purdy handles the pocket— He's keenly aware of where the pressure's coming from, right? Yeah. It's not coming from Trent. It's coming from the other side. I, that that particular type of stunt is so key, and I'm glad you brought it up. Because let's say, okay, he's at he's at like a three or a, or a loose three. He's hitting that inside shoulder. You know, they're looping the edge in behind him. Guess where Purdy's going to go? He's going to roll to his right because he has to. Yeah. There's, That's the way out. Cuts the field in half. Yes. If you can call a stunt just for the sake of cutting the field in half, that means that you can turn this offense into an offense that can only hit one, maybe two receivers on any given passing down. So I would just call that over and over again just for the sake of that. And again, it's a similar kind of thing. Hey, if Pat runs for 12 yards, we'll take it. Tip of the cap. If Purdy runs for 11, 12 yards, fine, whatever. Right, But if we're cutting the field in half and we destroy your passing game because you can't sit in the pocket because your right tackle can't handle Chris Jones, sure. Great. We love that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about it. I will say the tough thing with, with, with the KC defenses statistically. So the Niners are third in red zone possessions at 3.8 per game and they're first in red zone TD percentage. It's like 68.5%. So... It's not like it's just a, oh, they'll crumble in the red zone. You know, we could play bend but don't break. Like, you kind of can't bend either. Yeah, if you <laughs> let them the in there, team. they're going to score. Yeah, so so you kind of have to keep them, at worst, like just rely on Jake Moody to win the game. If you can turn it into a Jake Moody game. <laughs> Advantage Casey. Advantage Casey. So it's like, hey, don't stall out of the 17. Stall out of like the 35, right? And I, and I think you're in good shape there. As for how to do that, so in between the 20s, again, we talked about Sneed versus Ayuk. Everything kind of relies on that. If the Sneed versus Ayuk matchup is working out, that means we can get two on one on CMC. Not that I don't think that Bolton can't on occasion handle CMC. Let's sure. say, hey, we're sending another linebacker under pressure. It's a five-man rush. Nick, you gotta you gotta handle CMC in space. I just don't want to have to do that too much. I'd rather hey two on one on CMC, four on three over everybody everybody else. Legarius 
go do luxurious <laughs> things. Luxurious, go do. If all of that works out in between the 20s and they're not getting to the red zone, KC wins this game going away. I would say going away, yeah. I'm not projecting that that's going to happen the entire time. Nope. But again, this is a this is a preview episode about what's the ideal sure. game plan. What do they want to do? What they want to do is leave Ayuk one-on-one with Legarius, have him handle it, bracket CMC, bracket Kittle, everybody else will deal with, which sounds absurd. She's like, that means Debo's one-on-one. Yes, it does mean Debo's one-on-one. Somebody's got to be on this offense. The thing that scares me about Debo one-on-one is can you tackle him with one person? I, that, I don't know. As far as covering him one-on-one, I can live with that. I just got to hope that he doesn't catch it because right. if he catches it, that's where the real problems begin. Yeah, the uh, the existential gravity turns on <laughs> and nobody can knock him over. Dude's made of fucking granite, man. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. He has he has that Marshawn inner iron core that oh, just makes God. him ridiculously hard to knock off his feet. But this matchup between Kyle and Spags is going to be really interesting because, you know, you said cover three. Chiefs are really low in cover three. And what do we know? That Kyle wants to make everybody do. He wants to make them play cover so three. So Kyle's yeah. going to be like, I'm going to drive you into cover three. And Spags, on the other hand, is going to be like, I'm going to cut the field in half so that you can't use half of your weapons. And they're both just going to kind of, you know, ram knock horns and we're going to see who wins this one. It's going to be fascinating. They're both tremendously successful coaches, both of them very smart. Um, this is, I don't think this is going to be a game with a large point spread. We started off saying we think it's going to be low points in the first quarter. We've talked about all the great players, quite frankly, on both sides of the ball. This is a really talent-rich matchup from both of these rosters. As I get into predictions, it comes down to little things. Sometimes people say we oversimplify. Um, Sometimes it's just that easy. And for me, it's the Chiefs. Mahomes Mm -hmm. is a much better player than Purdy. The KC defense just held a Baltimore offense that we really liked to 10 points. Now, it easily could have been 17 without the fumble, but that's still just 17 points. If you think Mahomes and the KC offense isn't going to score more than 17 points, I got I got news for you, folks. Yeah. It's pretty likely that they will. So I think San Francisco will score a little more than the Ravens did, but probably under 20. And I think Mahomes and company will exceed that. So my... Prediction is KC 24, San Francisco 17. And my quick question to you, Mm. most points scored against the Chiefs all year. Who did it? Oh, God. Uh, And how many was it is the bonus question. It couldn't have been that. I mean, maybe Buffalo? Uh, Buffalo was second with 24 in the divisional round. Who scored more than Buffalo? Right. Who scored more than Buffalo? But think about that. Nobody that played this Chiefs team... As rugged as they were on offense, this is how solid they were on defense. That Buffalo, in that divisional round with Josh Allen, scored 24 points, and that was the second highest total all year scored against them. anybody score 30? No. I don't think anybody did, yeah. But Green Bay scored 27. Well, Aaron Jones, you know, third straight Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm I'm (laughs) just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) That if you think San Francisco is going to go off with all its weapons, be very careful with that take. That's what we thought about Baltimore. And we had a lot of respect for Todd Monken's offense. Lamar was playing at, has played at an MVP level all year. And even without the fumble, they score 17. So this KC defense, not to be trifled with, my prediction, KC 24, San Francisco 17, what do you got? I'm going to go also KC 24, San Francisco 20. Okay. Which means we're both betting the under. The unders or the over-under is 47 and a half, okay. which seems <laughs> generous. But you know what you're betting on? What's that? Moody makes two. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Just it's indoors. <laughs> it's indoors. <laughs> it's indoors. <laughs> Climate's perfect. <laughs> uh, it is at Allegiant, one of our favorite stadiums. Shout out to Allegiant. Great stadium. Allegiant. Also, also. Go ahead. For those of you that are going to the Super Bowl, mm. I I really, really hope you're staying at Luxor. Sure. 
because it's a 10 minute walk away. If you're staying on the other end of the strip, God help you. Gonna be a little rough. If you're if you're doing the whole like $12 rooms at Circus Circus thing, I get it. Totally understood. It's gonna take you three hours to get the stadium. Yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great. But Legion overall as a fan experience, it's gonna be fantastic. It's gonna be completely dolled up for the Super Bowl as a stadium usually is. Great venue, great field. We've been there the last couple of years with Shrine Bowl. Very familiar with that stadium. Um, great venue. And yeah, maybe maybe Moody makes two because it's indoors. I just think ultimately, and I've, I've made this mistake multiple times this year. Yes, you have. <laughs> where I've bet against Pat. I stopped last week. I was like. It's never worked. No, he it's just never does, worked. He doesn't lose these. He doesn't. And that, he, that's, if you look at his playoff winning rate, and his playoff win rate went down by seven plus. Like, it doesn't make sense. No, he doesn't make sense as a player, but he keeps doing it. I think we are at the point already. He's six years into his starting career. Tom Brady, greatest quarterback ever. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback ever. Two very different things. We have never seen anything like him. No. Ever. Because he has that Brady psychosis with more arm talent, with more, more mobility. He's he's Kobe, he's LeBron, he's Tiger, he's that. Yeah, he and is him. I just, I, I, I respect the 49ers so much. They have built a threshing machine of a roster. You put Patrick Mahomes on that 49ers roster, they don't lose a game. No. Right? And so I think if we're talking about best rosters, yeah, San Francisco. If we're talking about who you are deathly afraid of picking against, Patrick Mahomes. Because yeah. Patrick Mahomes, a big gap, oh, and yeah. then everybody else. This was the year to get him, and they're in the Super Bowl. The year he was limping was the year to get him. Like, it's always the year to get him, and nobody gets him. So That's the I, thing. why would I bet against him? I can't. At this point, if the 49ers win, fine. Yeah, cool. Tip of the they're cap. great. I want Trent to get a ring. I want Juszczyk to get a ring. I want Kyle to finally get a ring. Yep. And how awesome would it be if the elder Shanahan and McCaffrey, their two sons, also won a ring together? It's a great story. I want Ayuk to get a ring. I want all these 49ers that have just, they've been through the ringer. I want them to get it. But I'm not stupid. Yeah. I'm not going to bet against that man. It's the same last week. I wanted the Baltimore team to win. I thought it would be a more interesting story. I thought they should have been rewarded for all the choices they made that I thought were really brave, especially the coaches that they brought in. Mike McDonald, by the way, shout out to him, new coach of the Seahawks. Like I thought all those choices and just we have tons of respect for the Ravens organization, the way they've handled their business for decades, mm -hmm. from Ozzie through Eric DaCosta, Harbaugh, all of it. But, but, there's that man again. Yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> I don't. I don't think there are any Ravens fans listening to this because they're in a deep dark hole at this point. But God, they've gotten gutted over the last. It has been hours. a rough couple of weeks for the Ravens. We will talk about that in the <laughs> off season series. But we will. We any will. final thoughts for the Super Bowl before we roll out? After Championship Sunday, and we watched these games together on Correct. Sunday. Right? We've, been, we've been in Frisco for a week at this point uh, doing Shrine Bowl stuff. By the way, that's why we're together here is we're at the Shrine Bowl still. Um, but after Championship Sunday, we're like, ah, Chiefs and 49ers again, right? It's like, I want to talk about something new. I want to talk about the Lions. <laughs> I want to talk about the Ravens. But as we were doing more research, we're talking about the matchups. I, I developed an appreciation for this game of like, hey, we're getting Ayuk against Snead. Best on best. We're getting Fred against Kelsey. We're getting Kyle against Spags. Yep. This is a good game. It's great talent, great coaches, offense and defense. Um, you know, great venue, which we already talked about. This this is a this is a quality Super Bowl. It's the best I think we could we could hope for. And honestly, any of the top four teams. There was great matchups, yeah. but like these are the two best teams. And at the at the end of the day, that's, that's what we hope the Super Bowl is, right? The two best teams. So Agreed. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a game. Again, we're both picking Chiefs, which means the Niners are probably going to win. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Hope you guys enjoyed this preview. Uh, we will see you back here fairly soon. We're going to talk about the uh, 
we don't really do losers on this podcast because that seems wrong for it's short-sighted it's short-sighted so we're gonna talk about winners from all-star season both shrine bowl and senior bowl we have a lot of names that have really popped out uh and then we are getting straight into draft season we have a huge guest list planned uh we want to thank all, all of our executive producers Iken, marat consti andrew liam connor and mike l um thank you to you guys that are listening and watching for uh for making this a very special season for us indeed the beat goes on. See you soon. Take care.